0: David, I'd be rich if I had a dollar every time I heard someone say, man, I wish I knew 20 years ago what I know today about money. They need to be teaching about this stuff in school. Like the power of investing early. Compound interest. That alone would impact lives. Understanding and planning for taxes. Understanding the difference between both good debt and bad debt.
1: Eric, what about all the stuff about money that business owners need to know? What kind of insurance should you be buying? The importance of contributing towards your retirement.
0: They don't teach any of this stuff in school. Y'all sit back, get ready, because we are talking stuff about money they didn't teach you in school that you need to know.
1: Welcome back to Stuff About Money. I'm Xavier Angel, Certified Financial Planner. And I'm joined today with Eric Garcia, Certified Financial Planner.
0: I mean, we've yeah. got a guest
1: that's going to be on the day as well.
0: Well, first, first, let me welcome you back to Stuff About Money. Xavier, it's been well, a little while. Well, Where you. have you been?
1: Life happens, dude. I, and I know I've said this in the past, but um, you know, whether it's not feeling well and not wanting to get up because I've got a cold or running kids' places, um, it happens.
0: This dude here makes me do all the work, y'all. i got to carry the load at this place. <laughs> well, Eric, and then you in make, the day he shows up. Good. The day he shows up, he dresses in the same color as me. You
1: make me look good,
0: though. And this was actually by
1: accident. Uh, we did not discuss the colors we were going to wear today. So
0: actually, you are you are fighting a little bit of congestion, partially because New Orleans is on fire, quite literally. This place is burning. Got uh, that marsh we've, fire? We've got three marsh fires burning right now. And How does a marsh um, cut? Like, isn't a marsh by definition a flooded grassland? Isn't it like like water by definition? It is.
1: From what I've what I've been told is it's it's um, all the dry brush. I mean, we're what three and a half feet below our average rainfall for the year. So all that brush
0: that's sitting up on top is is burning with chemicals. So yeah, it's um, smells terrible. We need we terrible. need some rain. We do. We do. Well, let's get to it's our guests because I'm actually excited. I'm actually excited to have Alex Bigby on our show. Alex Bigby, founder and executive director of Flight. He has a professional certificate of banking from the University of London and an MA in English Literature and Modern History from the University of St Andrews. He's named one of the 40 under 40 people under age 40 by Gambit, that's one of our local New Orleans uh, periodicals here. And also, I think like one of the money makers for 2023 in New Orleans, Alex Bigby. Welcome to the show. Welcome, Alex.
2: Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you. It's great to be here.
1: So Alex, because I, I haven't had a chance to ask this question now in, in quite some time, so if there is one thing about money you wish you would have known 20 years ago, what would that be?
2: It's a good question. I think actually, weirdly enough, getting a credit card earlier but using it well. I wish I had, you know, I'd gotten a, uh, a credit card when I was at college and used it effectively and paid it off every month. And built my credit up from that age mm. because it's just because it's great practice. You just kind of learn. You build up points. More importantly, you you just start growing your credit from a very very early mm. stage, and then you're able to you know, build on that, establish more credit, maybe get more credit cards down the line, not too many of them, and and do that because that's in in my in my work. That's one of the things that people are very afraid of is is credit cards and and they're afraid of making mistakes and so you know you you know, establishing establishing that credit from an early age building it up learning how to manage credit different lines of credit you can hack points as well and and get all kinds of benefits if you like i think that's definitely and and just how credit cards work honestly i the crazy thing is i used to work in banking i worked in banking for 5 years and it was really only in my second year in a bank with, where i actually learned how a credit card worked like what the mechanism was how the payment terms worked uh, and you know n- nobody ever taught me about that no one obviously at college or at school um I was like here's this there's this there's a point you know there's a score associated with you and you only and um you know hmm. if you don't have a mobile phone bill or you know, you you miss a payment on you know something. It's going to really affect your life down the line in a major way. And, um, right. you know, just understanding credit and building credit, things like that. I would have been would have been great if I'd known that from a, from an earlier age. Um so that's, that's definitely one thing that springs to mind.
0: That's wild. You worked Probably, for, not, not the thing. Yeah, you worked for one of yep. the largest banks in the entire Richard. world. In the entire world. And yet, I mean, and banks are built on credit. At the end of the day, that's how banks make money. They lend mm-hmm. money. They, they, they make money on interest. Yeah. And it was in year two where you kind of felt like you had a good understanding of that. Yeah, which is crazy. Before we get into your work, I want to address the the 900-pound gorilla in the room here, okay? Y'all, Alex has an English accent. He's from London, okay? I was at a marketing meeting. This was years and years and years ago. It was an American Marketing Association meeting. And the guy speaking was British. And he shared a stat which was fascinating to me and I I want to know I want to know if this is anecdotally true in your in your experience being here in America. He said that people with English accents are perceived as being more credible than people without English accents. Do you walk into a room and just because of your accent do people perceive you as as more credible?
2: Well I in my experience I I yeah, I I didn't think that was because I'd heard that before I even got here. I thought it was more the people just kind of thought we were somehow you know the, the cleverer or yeah more believable because of our accents, which I I think is just if, if you look at cinema and culture, you know British people are always the villain. You know they they always seem to actually be the bad guy. Um, but you know it, it, it's it's surprisingly true. Um, and shouldn't be, but there there is this kind of um. I don't a belief that people who sound British are somehow, you know, that that was they're telling the truth, and and you know, I, I like to think that I am,
0: um, but <laughs> well, we, we brought you on the show because of your accent. I'm going to be completely honest. And we're hoping I, that I level this, you the level case us up. It's,
2: it's fine. I'll I'll use all
0: the resources I have. <laughs> <laughs> Before we get into to your work, the second thing I want to make a I want to make a confession. Just a, a something that I was naive about when it comes to British people. You know, I started following uh, English Premier Soccer maybe like 15 years ago. And I had this idea that every British person had a soccer team. So if I ever met someone with a British accent, I would say, oh, hey, who's your team? And they would kind of look at me kind of funny. Not every English person follows soccer. What?
2: No, not, not everyone does. And I get asked that question by Americans as one it's usually the top two questions as somebody who i've just met obviously usually a guy never never a, never a girl but if a, i meet a guy that that's one of the top questions i get is what's your team and i do have a team um but uh, it is true that not everybody in the uk has has a team so it's great i don't know that's that's that is disappointing a lot a lot of people will though the majority probably do but there is also there are quite a few uh who, who just don't care
0: yeah, you know, the two questions you get are are you perceived uh more credible and who's your team, right? I, the, the two questions yeah. that I ask Well, are you
2: are you Australian? Oh, get that one a lot. All right, well, anyway, Xavier, get confused for them
1: all
0: the time. Yes.
2: I,
1: actually, Eric, I, I thought you were going to lead us off and tell us you were um your confession was that you
0: were trying to learn uh, the British accent. No, I'm not even so. going to try it. I, I don't want to offend Alex. I, I I got too much respect for him. What what I, <laughs>
2: There are too many accents there to learn. I mean, it's there's there's thousands, right? You know, so thousands, all British people are in the same. And Y'all thousands. aren't all the same. I'm afraid not. No, no. Um, there's, there's there's a lot of different ways that we we sound. It's uh, t- tell us well, about your work.
0: So, tell us about or Xavier. Yeah, yeah. you Lead us into okay. this. Real all estate. Right.
1: So let's get into it. So you we mentioned that you're with Flight. So tell us a little bit about. Who is Flight and, and where did that name come from?
2: Absolutely. So um, we, we talked about a little briefly earlier. So I, I did come from a career in banking in the UK, did corporate investment banking. I moved over here in 2017, um, ostensibly to work as a consultant for a nonprofit called Propeller to help them build a loan fund. So I did that. I really enjoyed it and uh, began working with small businesses on their programs and then I also began became a small business consultant for a bunch of nonprofits. And then I volunteered at Liberty's Kitchen to help with their financial wellness on their program. I was actually asked by their executive director to do that. Um I wasn't a, a I didn't do it a whole bunch as a banker. I was, you know, I, I did some volunteering in schools in London to teach financial wellness, um, but it wasn't my kind of my expertise. But Anyway, I started doing that, and the things that I was encountering doing that work, you know, were pretty horrifying to me. There was just so many systemic issues that families were facing when it came to family finances and personal finances. And you know, I decided that I would work to create an organization that would create the best-in-class financial wellness programming. So that's where Flight was born back in 2017, and Flight is just an acronym for financial learning you take everywhere. Um, I wanted something that sounded cool um, and Fresh. didn't sound, you know, boring. Fresh, exactly. Um, you know, just something that that was, you know, that, that caught people's attention and didn't just sound like another kind of dull, another dull program. Um, I wanted to make financial wellness um, something that people were really interested in, and that began a three-year process of research and development where I was finding out, you know, who should we serve. Whether we should even be a nonprofit or not, um, and how the program would look, what resources we should offer, and just seeing where we would fit in the ecosystem. So really 20, late 2017, 18, 19, and 20, I was working, you know, with college students, I was working in the libraries, doing these little mini-programs, getting data. Also just building a reputation for myself. This is a town where it's really important who you know, and nobody knew who I was. I didn't have any family here. I, you know, I had a couple of friends when I moved here who were from here, but you know, I really had to establish a reputation from scratch, which is incredibly hard. And, you know, that took a couple of years before people started calling me and saying, Hey, you know, we I've heard about your programs. Can we do something at Tulane? Can we do something at UNO or can we do something at Kingsley House? And so that kind of led from one thing to another. And then in 2020, we we got some funding to put together a, a full pilot program for the Entrepreneur Empowerment Program, which is really the core of what we do today. That is flight. And that ended up being you know, small business owners, predominantly from LMI households, and focusing really exclusively on, on Black women-owned businesses.
0: LMI. Could you define LMI for us real
2: quick? Low, low and moderate income households. Um, so... You know, I'd worked as a business consultant for these, you know, other, other, other consultancies. So I had a lot of feedback from business owners on what that they really wanted from from programs and what they weren't necessarily getting, and you know, the the personal finance and family finance side of things, and just the financial education piece was always kind of lacking. And so it was, you know, the the, the fundamental aim of the program is to not just teach. We do a lot of virtual learning, um, but also mentor. So every every business has a professional mentor for twelve months, uh, and then also access to resources. So we have a huge volunteer network, uh, including yourselves, um, who help with things like financial planning, uh, credit building, business planning, marketing, bookkeeping. You know anything a person, a person needs for their business or their personal family finances, we we have those resources available, and we we have a great volunteer network, we were very lucky to have such a, an enormous pool of talent who want to give their time to to make the program work. And and right now we have 70 businesses uh, on the program, which is huge. 70. It's right. been growing 70. yeah. We started with 30 in, in 2021 and went to 50 last year and now 70. So we're growing every year. It's a it's a, it's like herding cats sometimes because I'm in charge of making sure everyone's kind of going in the same in the right direction. But it's a very rewarding experience, and uh, hopefully we're growing to 90 next year. You mentioned something,
1: um, and and I want to take a step back. I know you've got those 70 business owners that you work with. From a personal standpoint, are you helping the financial literacy with those business owners from a personal standpoint, or are you working with individuals outside of the business realm on personal finances? Is that two separate programs?
2: no, it's all part of the same program. So we do we partner up with with local banks or banks that have a, a local presence. So we work currently with three banks to teach um, the personal and the business finance virtually. Um, so those happen in, in two sets of sessions, usually in June and then uh, September, October. And so that those are that's very much part of the program where we teach things like you know building personal credit, protecting yourself from cyber security. You know all all of the the key personal and business finance topics. And then for business finance, we're talking about, you know, how what is the p the balance sheet, how to put together a PL and a balance sheet and read one, um, you know, how to separate your personal and business finances, how to build business credit, the difference between business credit cards, lines of credit and the term loan. So these are all really important things that, you know, no one ever teaches you as a business owner, unless you have a background in finance no one ever teaches you this stuff, and it's so important. I mean, if you if you don't know it, the chances of you succeeding as a business owner are much slimmer uh, if you don't have this knowledge to hand. So we really work very hard to help not just teach it, but then with the mentorship we're embedding it, which is why we have a 12-month program, because habits take a while to form and mm-hmm. so things like checking your credit regularly that's a hard habit to form that takes a couple mm-hmm. of months to to actually get that and and also you know looking at your bank statements regularly for your business and your, your personal side that's the thing that takes a while to form um, so that's why we do minimum 12 months we actually let people roll over for another year um, if they'd like to um
1: how long is a mentor so once they they reach that that 12-month period How long do you mentor those individuals? Is it is it ongoing? Is it just that additional year? What's that mentoring program look like after they graduate the program?
2: So they can basically stick with us as long as they like Um, so they can rejoin the the next program and continue to receive another 12 months of mentorship. They also have to attend the learning um, and they still get access to all the resources we have on the program. So you know that it's just that they you know they're hopefully building themselves towards accessing capital uh, and building that kind of that business strength so they you know by the end of the first program we're hoping that their credit will have gone up they will have gotten at least a personal credit card um they will have established business credit you know some some of them need to open business bank accounts so we help them do that get their licensing in order you know so there's a lot of back of house stuff that we do in order to make sure that the front of house can function effectively um, and then, you know, the second year, we're hoping for maybe a line of credit if they re- if they need it. We actually also offer an in-house micro-lending facility. This is something we're actually, we piloted this year, which um has been really successful. So we do interest-free and fee-free micro-loans up to $2,000 to people on the program who can put forward a, a business case for something, usually for a piece of equipment or an event that, that they need, you know, either like food truck or uh, you know recently we had a lot of people with essence and, and a couple of big festivals they couldn't afford the the deposits or the you know the down payments and the, the you know buying produce. so we front them the the money for that and um, then they they we work on a repayment schedule and it's been very successful. We've had you know very very little issues with repayment. you know if somebody can't repay we just essentially just we change the terms and we, you know we make it a smaller amount for longer. Um, the only strings attached are if they're still repaying at the end of the program. They have to join the next program um, and they have to attend all of the learning sessions um, and make sure that they're at every single one. So it, it's it's been really, really the, the feedback on that has been excellent. I think we're going to we're going to make that a public part of the next program in 2024, um, because that's, it's, it's clearly, a, there's clearly a huge need for small loans just to get. You know, usually it is just a piece of equipment or getting, mm-hmm. you know, that first couple of festivals. And um, I think there's just a big gap in the market, especially with interest rates being so high. Just something where there's there's no there's no interest and no fees, which no one else is doing. Not uh, just interest reason.
0: rates being high, it's access to capital. Yeah. Like, who is going to loan money so to, uh, to someone who... Yeah. Is in a low-income yeah. household. Yeah, who has got yeah. zero or no credit. Like it's just that the capital doesn't exist.
2: No one, no, no one's going to
0: do yeah. it. I've always been intrigued by micro lending. Mm-hmm. You kind of you kind of see that mm-hmm. in in like third world countries, right? Help help them buy a cow, mm-hmm. yeah. right? A a bank. Cow or, or something along yeah. those lines. So that that's really cool to see that in, a, in, yeah. a, in an urban setting right. in an American city um, mm-hmm. to incorporate yeah. that.
2: I founded the microfinance society at my college uh, way back in the day, so I was always interested in microfinance. So it's actually really wonderful being able to apply my my interest yeah. in it in, and in my business and and seeing the benefits of it. So it's, I think that's something that we we're going to develop even further. I hope we can get more funding so we can lend more than two thousand um, dollars.
0: But um, you know, I mean, and inflation we set up, we set inflation's real, yeah, man. Exactly, you know? two thousand dollars isn't real. two thousand. You know, a dime, no, what do say? Exactly. Nickel's not worth a dime anymore? Is that Yogi better anymore,
2: no. Um, so, you yeah. know, that's that's one area of the program I'm very proud of
0: and excited by. So, Alex, one of the things you mentioned with your 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 participants or your students, do you call them students, participants? What is there? Actually, we call them cohort members. Cohort members, um, okay. Yeah. yeah. You're talking about developing new habits. So, Xavier and I just came back from a conference. So, it's us and maybe like 4,000 other financial advisors who don't work in a low to moderate, you know, income household space. I mean, we're working obviously in, in middle-class and in, in upper class America. And there was a quote and it said that finding the future of financial planning is not just about dispensing expert financial advice. It's about helping your clients engage in behavior and financial behavior change. So it's fascinating to me. We're sitting here talking about low to, low to moderate income households. It's the same thing for higher income households. it's It's about behavior change.
2: yeah,
0: yeah, um so one of those one of the behavior changes you talked about is is credit and developing good good habits with credit. And this is something that I found this is off of your your annual I don't know if it's your annual report. Would you talk about the credit score impact that you're having on your cohort members. You said 90% of participants' credit scores increased and of those 68% saw it increase by at least 20 points. Talk more about, talk more about that specific, uh, that specific behavior or, or feature.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of that was just, you know, we, we do the, the credit learning really early on in the program. And so, you know, we it's 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 really more based out of them actually checking their credit regularly and realizing what's on there and what's affecting it because most people are not doing it regularly and they're not re- they don't realize what's negatively impacting their score. So you know, and we also actually we work with with Capital One Bank. They have individuals at the bank who do specific credit building one on one counseling. So we connect most people in the program to that. So you know the, the, there are lots of different ways that they can improve it, but usually there's some some bad debt that they have that they need to focus on paying down, or you know, multiple credit cards with high balances that are you know again hurting their score. Um, and so it's just focusing on you know how do how do they find the budget to really focus on especially the high interest debt and really divert you know some spending towards paying that down because that's often hurting hurting people's uh scores so we've we've seen a lot of you know as you, as you've seen from the report the credit scores go up pretty pretty drastically an average of 40 points throughout the program um which really you know helps a lot of folks and you know and a lot of that is is due to the the work we do uh, and then also some people just just need don't even have the credit card so they that can establish credit and we, we show them the right card to get. We help them put auto pay on. we you know I, we help them kind of talk about what they should be putting on it and and avoid you know them putting additional debt that they shouldn't do on it. And then we talk about what different lines of credit will we'll do. Some people have student loans and we you know we try and focus on, on making sure that they're able to cover those. But also budgeting is a big part of that too. Um, you know, as, as we discussed, most people on this program are not high earners. Um, so that you have to be very sensitive around the budgeting piece because there's only so far some income will go. Um, in some cases, it, they're really kind of sweating every dollar they make out as much as possible. Uh, and, you know, we just they're, they're, in those situations, you just have to be really, really careful and just make sure that everything that they've got is, is going towards paying down any bad debt. In other cases, there are instances of people, you know, uh, uh, but of areas in the budget that can be worked on um you know especially shifting for people getting delivery food to buying groceries is a, a huge area i see uh, mm. overspending um and impulse purchases things like that
3: hello loyal listeners hey are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client maybe you maybe not With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, a.k.a. agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about nationwide brokerage solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified.
0: You know, um, I know you're sitting here talking about I know you're sitting here talking about your cohort members, your low to moderate income cohort members. Like yeah. Everything you're saying, these are conversations that Zayer and I have every day with high income earners. It's, I'm it's sure. improving <laughs> credit. Here's what I don't think. It sounds obvious. Okay. I don't think people sit down long enough to do the math to realize how expensive bad credit is. Especially okay. you start looking at credit, credits tied to insurance costs. Credit's tied to obviously the interest rate that you're going to get on a business loan, or whether you can get a loan or not. Mm-hmm. Credit's Everything. tied to to so many different things, and it is so expensive. And I just want to post mm-hmm. right here for our listeners: like, credit is so important. My this is a lesson my dad drove into my mind. Okay, he said, "Son, always have good credit. Don't use it unless you absolutely need it." Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, right. And yeah, that's that's good that's advice. Good. This
1: could actually be an entire episode of its own, talking about it credit, credit score, and credit card. Mm-hmm, definitely, Bigby. You mentioned early on that if you could go back twenty years ago, one thing that you wish you would have known about money. You talked about credit cards. You talked about building that credit. And when we just heard you talk about the credit score, is that where the financial literacy part was built out for? Because I see that you do uh, financial literacy for both college students. And uh, for youth through Job One, is that how that was built?
2: Um, I think it's 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 a part of the the overall pie, but that's just for me. You know, credit is it's one input. It's a, it's an important element of financial wellness and security. But there's so many others that we focus on on the program. And you know, we 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 used to work with, more with college students. Now it's really business owners, but the, the needs the needs are still the same. You know, right. the other things that are also important are, you know, things like um, paying yourself, which really means just saving. Mm. And that is another thing. Again, if, if I had spoken to me 20 years ago, apart from credit and credit cards is start saving, you know, get into saving habits early. Um, Even if it's a little bit of money, you know, $50 a month, you know, whatever, start, put a, have a savings account, Uh, start putting that money away and then start investing that money into index funds uh, because that will just passively grow your your net worth in the background um that's if i could speak to 17 year old me 18 year old me when i was you know i was just starting to think about all that i would you know i'd start putting putting money away and putting it into very low low cost investments um that is and, and putting and putting to getting a, a savings kind of buffer. Why do you think it's so
0: hard for people to save
2: Alex? Because people always aren't, people don't, they're thinking about today, you know, that people don't like to think of the thing. Oh, I'm going to get some kind of windfall in the future that, you know, that's going to be my savings or I'm going to sell my business. I hear this a lot. Yeah. I'm going to sell my business and that's my retirement mm. or, you know, or I'm going to get an inheritance and that's my retirement. And I think human beings, while we are extremely capable of looking into the future, um, we sometimes, we'd rather have pleasure today and avoid um, pleasure in 50, 30, 40 years' time. I think it's almost too abstract that far away for some people. Some people are very good at it, but um, you know, I think that that's, it's important. It's, and a lot of people just have no, especially the people on, on the program and maybe the people you work with, there is no retirement plan in place mm. for for anyone. These, these are people who are, you know, in their forties, fifties. No plan in place. You know, the, for a lot of them, the plan is that their children will support them financially, which is going to burden their children um, in the long yeah. term, and, and that again that causes generational wealth issues and prevents a family from creating generational wealth. And so, you know it's it's yale. just very important stuff that, that people should talk about
0: i think right. it's yale i think yale yale did a study that talked about this idea of, of saving so you know you i think i think you you, you summarize it well saving is basically robbing yourself of some pleasure today right i have money that i can use for me today so if i save it then i'm i'm telling myself no but the the yale study basically said that saving money for your future self is akin to helping a stranger like cuz people people can't see themselves older. So if you can help people envision themselves older, right? Playing with their grandkids, having a vision of what 20 years, 30 years looks like, they are more willing to save because you've created this connection, this familiarity with their older self. It's a fascinating study. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I, I think also having children as somebody who is expecting their first child
0: Congratulations. Uh, really Congratulations. To put
2: things, thank you very much um it really puts things into perspective so i mean for example uh, i just got my wife and i life insurance for the first time you know um and i never really thought about i thought about it before i just thought you know it's not really worth doing but you know we both have have incomes now and, and we got a kid on the way and so you know i want my if something awful would have happened to me i now want to be protected that's a big piece of the financial foundation and and you know house that people mm-hmm. don't talk about as much as insurance. Funeral mm-hmm. insurance is actually something that we uh, that people you know, people actually do get a fair amount uh, on the program because it's 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 a very high cost and it's very cheap. It's one of the cheapest forms of insurance. But insurance in general, we we do we do learning about insurance on the program because that is. You know, I like to talk about the financial house and there's foundations and there's walls and then and, and there's a roof mm-hmm. and all that. Um, insurance is a, is a big part of that. And again, not a thing that people put enough money into because it, especially if you're younger, um, it's very cheap um, for what you get. Um, so I'm, yeah, I've I'm actually got a lady coming over today to draw blood and, and do all kinds of tests on me to make sure I'm not too much sugar today. <laughs> what what does the future look like for flight? So, as I said, we ha- we work with seventy businesses now in the Metro New Orleans area, some of the surrounding parishes, as far as Baton Rouge, some of them actually. So that's that's our, our kind of hybrid forward model. Um, you know, with enough funding, um, and we don't we're, we're a very lean operation. Um, we can expand our footprint to, I'd say, you know, thousands of businesses. Realistically, this isn't pie in the sky stuff where we can work with surrounding parishes you know work with Baton Rouge and become a regional um a regional force for small businesses um i think that the demand is out there uh there's tons of small business owners who you know are not in in regions where they think they can get access to resources like this but um you know i think we there is there is the the capacity for uh, using the brainpower and expertise and volunteer resources in New Orleans and in urban areas to help ex-urban areas and and those business owners. And so, you know, I I don't want to, you know, start talking about like the whole Gulf South region, but, you know, I think we have scalability as an organization. I think that's what sets us apart from a lot of the other uh, organizations in our ecosystem. They're all confined by a building. You know they have a building that they have to use and, and fill and they they can only have 10 people in their cohorts um we already have 70 um and i think we can we can really expand to, to thousands and and also increase the the quality of the resources that we have on the program right now so we talked about the microloans um one of the things we have you know a grant in the pipeline for right now is subsidizing childcare. the vast majority of the people on our program are mothers with young children um, we want to be able to partner with childcare care facilities, um, get discounts and then subsidize it ourselves to, you know, to make their jobs as business owners easier um, because then they have more time to work on their business. So that's one thing we want to really, you know, look in the future. I want to do more of is, is subsidize childcare because unfortunately it's not free in this country. Um, and uh, and, you know, and then also subsidize other areas like um bookkeeping and website development. Those are things that are hard to get as a a volunteer donation because they're time intensive and labor intensive, but they're important. And we'd like to be able to subsidize that. We can't do that right now. I'd like to do that for the lowest income members of our cohort. I'd like to be able to subsidize those things. And that, that drives up engagement. It drives up the number of people who want to be on the program so we get better quality applicants. Um, and then it also drives out, drives up better outcomes at the end of the program because they're more engaged. So that's the that's the future I have, in, in my vision for flight.
0: You talk and, about and, better. Oh, go ahead, Xavier.
1: No, I, I was just going to say. Um, and how can how can our listeners get involved if they're if they're interested? Um, a lot of them aren't going to qualify for the program, but if there's something else that they can do to help out, to get involved, absolutely, uh, to help it grow, yes.
2: Yeah absolutely so we are always um, bringing in volunteers who have a certain skill set onto the program we have some people who you know volunteer and they can reach out to me via email which you know i'm sure you can put on put on the screen or uh, you know i can put somewhere but a a big b at flighteducation.org and if you have a you know particular skill set we have lawyers we have bankers and they say okay i can do 2 hours a month i'm really good at business planning or you know i'm really good at that patent law um, and I have a big database of all of these people who give us their time. And so when somebody comes to me with a need on the program, I look through my database and I go, OK, X, Y, Z, they Z, they'll give you some time this month to look at your business plan or your marketing or help you with a patent. Um, so really anyone with any kind of skill set that would help a small business, and especially because these are such early stage businesses, You know, this this person doesn't have to have had 30 years in in the industry. You know, we work with actually with Tulane University as one of our partners. So we have um, college students who uh, are paid for by Tulane to work on the program through the business school because they are studying business planning and financial forecasting, but they have no real world application for it. So we give them an opportunity to get over the walled garden of Tulane meet with people in, in, in the city and help them uh, apply the, the theoretical knowledge to a, a real business. And then we oversee the process. We give them feedback. We make sure that their soft skills are are in check. And so um, that's, you know, that's, that's something that we're always, we're always building partnerships because we're always trying to scale. We're always, every year we're trying to grow. And so if you, if any of your listeners want to reach out and you think, oh, I, I, I'd like to, you know, I like, I like the idea of volunteering. I can do it, Vert, you can do it. It's all virtual as well. So it's really, you know, you don't have to leave your home. So we make volunteering very easy um, and, and very rewarding too, because you get to, you know, you get feedback on everything and, and you get to see the business kind of take, take what you, you taught them and, and apply it and, and hopefully, uh, you know, do
0: great things with it. Can you, can you share maybe one of your, um like biggest wins, something that, that you participate and you get to see people succeed. What's maybe something a story that you think about that always uh, makes you, when you have a bad day, I mean, you think about that story. Uh, What's that story?
2: I have so many. I mean, there, there are there are lots of different success stories, and the best part about this job is is being told thank you. You know, we you know weekly by by a business you work with because they've they've got that credit card or they they got their credit score up. They were able to open their first business bank account, Um, but in terms of just you know people who might be visible in the city, so we work really closely with a lady called Joanna Arake, who's the batterina. She makes cheesecakes uh, and sells them around the city. They're the best cheesecakes in uh, in in New Orleans, uh, maybe
0: ever in the world. So much so that my group take your word for it. And I'm gonna uh, have to try that. I'm you not get to try these. You, the, you can't yeah. that English accent, man. I'm not buying <laughs> it, man. I don't. I, I gotta. I gotta no, test no, it for you, myself. You shouldn't.
2: You shouldn't take cheesecake recommendations from a Brit. But um, we we <laughs> we we went. Yeah, the batterina. arena. So we okay. we worked with her for a number of years. I mean, as well as you know other people in the ecosystem. So we can't take all the credit. But she was able to go from a pop up. To a fully blown commercial kitchen, and now she's supplying a whole bunch of restaurants and supermarkets in the city. I think she's got real scaling potential. We've also worked with Tangerine Kitchen, who make a vegan burger, and they've just bought their first facility, and they're about to start supplying to to you know supermarkets um, and other organisations around the whole you know south. Again, we're only part of their story. You know, we there are other people in the ecosystem we've worked with them but those are some of the you know success stories where we work with them for multiple years and and we've been able to help them and and you know there's there's other things like a business was one of our businesses had an issue with an SBA loan so I called up their bank mm. and literally got, you know got onto the phone with their bank manager and I you know I speak bank so I was able to 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 get them to get kind of unjam the loan from their system and get them what they needed with 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 this person on the phone and get them the SBA loan and that probably wouldn't have happened or would have just gotten stuck forever if, if I hadn't gotten involved. So there's there's been lots of things like that. And that's what helps me sleep well at night. I I love this job and that's why I love actually being a mentor as well, because um yeah. I get to be really close to the people we serve and I see the I see the effects of, of what we do. I know it works, uh, and that's why I keep on doing it.
0: That's something so simple. And and I, I I say this to our listeners just as an encouragement. You might think I don't have time to help. I, I, what, what, what can I offer? Like you, literally, got on the phone with their bank and had a conversation. Hour max of your time. I don't even know how long it took. Just advocating for someone who may not have been able to advocate for themselves. Not because they they can't do it, just because they don't know what they don't know. Like you yeah, walk exactly. in, and that's yeah. That's a, that's, that's a, it, that's and, then, and then. The, the, those resources are limitless if you think
2: about it in, in terms of the number of people and and, I, and I've i never met anyone in the city who said to me I don't want to volunteer in the community, I don't care about the community. Everybody's in the city, they love generally love the city, some of them less so than others but they all want to contribute something because we want to see the city succeed and we want to see the people succeed and you know I think most people subscribe to the a rising tide floats all boats theory which is very important um, and you know that that's that's kind of one of one of the founding you know, founding ideas of flight is that we bring all of this amazing talent and volunteer resources together in one one hub and we deploy it really effectively which yeah. i think other people sometimes struggle with
0: yeah I, i'm a good example of someone who's like man i love what you're doing i and, and we met by accident you and xavier were going to lunch. <laughs> i was did. like hey can i come i was like i was like a tag along like an afterthought hey you want to I'm meeting this guy Big B when I'm like, Yeah, I'll come. Yeah.
1: I'll come. Well, I, I, look, I had, <laughs> yeah. I had gotten an I think I got the email from you. And I'm sitting there at first, I thought it was spam. And um <laughs> it started asking around, and I came across, I think she just graduated from the class. So um ran into her, we started talking about you, she vouched for you, um, has had all good stuff to say about you, um, and told me a little bit about it. So that's when I, I reached back out to you and said, Let's grab lunch and uh, brought yeah. Eric along. I'm glad you so, did.
2: Yeah. I'm glad you did. Yeah, and glad I'm glad she said nice things. Um, you know, we we get good feedback. Um,
0: so, so yeah, uh, yeah. And we also Gen- have a friend in common at Tulane in Tulane's business yes. department. So when 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 I was, hey, you know, this guy Bigby, what's his story? Oh man, he's great. I Love him when he first came to New Orleans. Anyway, uh, how, how do people get involved? Like, how does someone become part of your cohort? I know that. Maybe our listeners most probably are not, yes. you know, people for your court, but they can get the word out. How does someone sure, apply? Sure.
2: Yeah. So we we open the applications January first every year on our website. So um, but if you go to our website, flighteducation.org, and you you can you'll immediately get a prompt to put your email address in. That will add you to our distribution list. So you'll get a notification when we open um the applications. It's a very it's a very straightforward form to fill in for the application. And then I will reach out to you. And it's open from January through to... There's actually a very long window this year because of the arrival of our PIN. So it's end of April. And then the program is going to start at the 1st of June this year, or next year, 2024. So it's a really long application process, especially because we want to have 90 businesses. 90. Yeah, going up from 70. So we, you know, uh, it's a short application um, in terms of who I would recommend apply. So, I mean, the core of the program is LMI, low and moderate income, especially women-owned businesses. We do, you know, we, but we do have people from all backgrounds in the city on the program. That's just 70% of the program. So don't let that discourage you from applying if you're like, well, that's not me, because we do have people from lots of different demographics who do apply and they do benefit substantially from the program, too. So, you know, I would say that if your business makes a hundred, less than $100,000 a year, you're located in within 100 miles of New Orleans, uh, maybe 120, I forget, <laughs> within a Baton Rouge circle of New Orleans, I'd say, you should apply. Uh, encourage friends to apply. In terms of where the business should be, I mean, I'd say beyond the idea phase, you know, if you haven't decided what you want to do yet, then we're probably not the people to help you decide. You've got to really decide, you know, you've got to have been at least doing it. You you don't have to have a business bank account or be incorporated, but you've got to at least like, you know, started doing the thing because we do get applications where it's like, oh, I think I want to open a bakery. Well, I, I can't. That that's maybe not my, I can't decide for you. You've got to have started trying to do something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but we you know, it's still pretty early stage. Uh, so there are other programs of people who are kind of in the idea phase. We're not that program in terms of our layers in the pyramid, kind of, we are the bottom level of the pyramid in the ecosystem. So we, we really, we try and gather up everyone who couldn't get onto the propeller programs or you know, Fund 17 or, you know, some of those I- Idea Village type programs. They're great programs. We try and really act as a feeder. So we're we're getting people who couldn't quite get on there or a couple of years away from those programs. And then we're getting them ready to access different layers of the pyramid and the ecosystem. That's really where flight sits. So please, oh, wow. you know, if, if you're thinking this might apply to you, sign up on our website, put your email in, and you'll get an email uh, in January about the
0: application as a uh, lifelong new Orleanian, i want to say thank you for falling in love with my city and coming here <laughs> and trying to help uh our city it's be better been a pleasure uh, i'm always it's, i'm always it's been a pleasure. I'm always moved by people who especially who <laughs> walk away from like big bank jobs right and they come here and they 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 dedicate their their lives to um to people in and to see people improve so that's very new
2: orleans that could do that i I tell you that there's no other city in this in the world that could ever have have, have torn me away from from london but (laughs) new orleans Orleans seems to have a magical effect on people and and it it did it did
0: it with me and uh, here i am so very uh, well alex xavier any 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 closing thoughts
1: i'm just glad we had the opportunity to meet with you and that here we're we're able to work with you and and help these local business owners. Um, so thank you for everything that it is that you do,
2: and thank congratulations
1: yeah. on the um, the upcoming birth of your first.
2: Absolutely, thank you so much. It's it's been a pleasure. Great talking to you both, and uh, looking forward to to catching up at some point soon.
0: Sounds good. Thanks for listening, y'all.
2: Information presented and discussed on the Stuff About Money podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute direct financial advice. Be sure to consult with a qualified financial advisor prior to implementing any strategies discussed. Eric Garcia and Xavier Angel's branch office is located in New Orleans, Louisiana. The branch phone number is 504-218-5479. Securities offered through Osaic Wealth Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through New Century Financial Group, LLC. A registered investment advisor, Osaic Wealth is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names, products, or services referenced here are independent of Osaic Wealth.
3: Hey agents, listen to this, listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it, think of it really we're We're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good terrible at firing, actually. uh terrible at creating process and some workflows carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes so you give me an auto quote i can do five to ten carriers in three to seven minutes how are we doing it we're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence give us a call check us out you can ask for me personally i'll do the demo for you who are they CAS certified